Welcome to the biggest thing to hit the financial advisory ESG community, environmental, social, and governance. I'm Jonathan Kavaznik, CHFC Wealth Advisor. With over 25 years advisory experience, I've been advising clients so they can make a positive global impact. Hello, and welcome to the ESG Players Podcast with your host, Jonathan Kavaznik, one of the leading ESG advisors in the country. Uh, let's first start with inflation. Um, is it good or bad? Well, it does, as you mentioned, ha- have two ways of looking at it, inflatable tires and, in, and, and inflation when it comes to <laughs> our buying and purchasing power, right? And so I would say, of course, we don't want to have inflation where it erodes the value of our purchasing power. That's the key, right? So that's the negative to it. Um, we want to be able to be able to purchase the same items for the same amount of money, uh, really because in a lot of cases, our wages don't keep pace with the increase in the cost of goods, right? And so that's where we really have the problem is inflation erodes what we can purchase. Okay, so, you know, inflation, there's a lot of things under this umbrella. You look at um, higher interest rates, I think that's under this umbrella as well, right? Can Can you kind of explain how that would figure in here? So what we have is a really unusual scenario, as we all realized in the past year, is the economy was uh, not shut down voluntarily. It involuntarily was shut down by the federal government, and it really was globally. And so what that did is it caused a lot of pent-up demand of people who weren't purchasing things, but also affected people's earnings powers, right? So we want to think about as that comes back online and the economy has all this pent-up demand, uh, and the government is really putting trillions of dollars of money back into the system, trying to compensate businesses for being closed and compensate people for losing their jobs and being laid off. There's a lot of money chasing very few goods right now. And that's what raises interest rates. And that's what raises inflation. And both of those will come back to bite us in the sense of making it very hard for us to then have purchasing power when those two things occur together. Uh huh. Okay. So a couple of other things in that, that I've been asked about, and, and I, I don't have the answers. That's why, you know, we're, we're calling you, Jonathan. So, you know, homeowners. Okay, what does this mean? We have a hot housing market happening right now. We've seen uh, low interest rates, you know, and those are starting to, it's seemingly starting to pop back up. So, so what does this mean for homeowners? So if we think about what's going on is we have a supply and demand issue. That's how things work when it comes to interest rates and purchasing prices. So when we look at a home where it's really hot, it's somewhere between that $400,000 and down price-wise. There's very little inventory. So what does that mean? A lot of money chasing very few houses. It also is telling us that interest rates are low, which means if we do the math, because there's a saying, math doesn't lie, is that Mm -hmm. the $1,000 a month payment that used to buy, say, a $200,000 house at 6% interest is now buying a $250,000 house for the same monthly payment. And when that inverts the other way and interest rates start to rise, what's happening to the housing prices? They're going to deflate potentially, right? Because we're not going to be able to make the same monthly payment at a higher interest rate and get the same housing. So right now we're getting a huge benefit from low interest rates, which is driving home prices up, which is driving the payment might not be going up, but it's inflating the prices on those homes. And there's too few available for people to purchase. That's what's causing this inflationary scenario in this hot real estate market. So does inflation impact our long-term investments, things that we have invested through through yourself or anything like that? Does it does it inf- does it affect that at all? 
So inflation is really a, a very short-term negative for the fixed income and debt markets. If we think about just what we talked about on the housing market and interest rates for mortgages, is if all of a sudden we have a scenario where things really heat up and interest rates rise, fixed income and bond market and debt, those don't like that, and those lose value. What will benefit potentially, though, is companies that are growing and the equity side. And that's exactly the question we want to ask ourselves is, where is the money to be made when interest rates are rising or we have inflation? And where is the money to be lost? And we want to keep that in mind when we look at the parts of the market that inflation and higher rates help and inflation and higher rates hurt. Yep. And there's both sides of the equation. And we have to make sure we understand that going into the current scenario and the current environment. You got another couple questions for you on retirement here. We got Jonathan Kavaznik, financial advisor with Cherokee Investments at Bank Cherokee. Uh, so knowledgeable, such a great energy about him. Um, so, Jonathan, you know, when we, we talk about retirement, I know a lot of people were put in this position last year where they're like, okay, you know, I was planning to work a little bit longer, but now I don't know if I'm going to work or I got laid off and, you know, where my retirement assets are at. Um, I did see this, you know, this is. This is basically a, a study about baby boomers, but this is through uh, uh, Fidelity. But the average 401k account is about $234,000. I guess in today's climate, Jonathan, like how, how do you know exactly when enough is enough? So that's exactly what we need to evaluate. And when uh, you ask uh, those questions and you say, do I have enough money? $234,000 to some people might seem like a lot. But when you think about what does that generated income, it's hardly anything. And so the big question right now of clients who are coming in who, because of COVID, maybe got laid off or just said, you know, I don't really like the current environment, is there's a huge gap in income needs between 62 years old and 70 because that's when Social Security kicks in and they have to make it to 65 for Medicare. So think about the two huge expenses that somebody better think about before they decide that they're going to retire, and that is, Medicare and health insurance, and whether or not I should start my Social Security. And if I do that, what are the implications? That's really what's the crux of what's going on right now for those people in the baby boomer era. Yeah, and I wonder, too, and, and I think we've seen some trends on this, too, and maybe maybe people are talking to you about this, but that some people in that, in that uh, generation are like, you know, maybe I need to go back to work, even if it's a part-time job, just, just for a while. And I think that's exactly the questions people should be asking. You know, if somebody was going to qualify for $1,000 of Social Security benefit and they turned it on at age 62, they actually take a 27.5% reduction for their entire life in the benefit. So maybe something that you just mentioned, Mm. maybe I work from that age 62 to 65 or 67 part-time, fill in the gap that I won't be able to tap into Social Security because I don't want to reduce the benefit, and then turn Social Security on when I'm a little bit older and kind of have a balance, a great idea, more of a blend than an all or nothing, which sometimes isn't going to work. If people don't have enough savings and they don't have a good pension, they're probably not going to want to retire at 62 years old and turn on Social Security. Yeah. Jonathan, what if a a guy like me, 40 years old, almost 40, comes to you and says, I really, I'm really interested in cryptocurrency. I, I, you know, I I, want to learn more about Bitcoin or Dogecoin or, or any of those. Like, what is your, 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 you know, I guess, what does that conversation look like from your end to, to that person? So I would uh, throw this out there, and it's a great topic right now because I can tell you every single client that I talk to who's under the age of 40 wants to open up an online account and buy Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. So 
it's expected that if you're 40 years old or younger, that's a question you're going to currently ask. And there's a lot of really serious issues with considering cryptocurrency as a long-term place to put my retirement or my savings for the future. You know, one of the things that we have to really think about is it's artificially made. It isn't really designed by a central bank or government for a trading currency. And since it's artificially made, the question is, can somebody create more and then make it less worth the value? Or is it just a trading uh, instrument like gold would be and that there really is no purpose to it? And that's very dangerous. Uh, so personally, we have clients that are doing it uh, and, and they're using it in their account. But if you look deep under the hood, you're probably really looking like a Las Vegas style investment, not a long term mm. investment that you should really be putting your futures needs on and banking on that cryptocurrency is going to pull it off. Yeah, it's volatile for sure. And last thing for you, Jonathan, just, you know, is there any major trend or change? And, and I just want to leave this kind of um, just kind of open and you can take it any direction you want. But is there any major trend or change that you've seen year over year or even in the last six months? So we, we talked about this in the past. There's a huge influence now based on how the past year has gone and based on kind of the political horizon that people really want to know that their investments match their values. So there's a huge forefront on that. And there's a huge opportunity now to really look at, as you already mentioned, should I be thinking about inflation and higher interest rates? And with all those things, what's the trend? How is technology coming in? What are the areas that are going to be booming? Are vegans and vegetarians and restaurants that do that and uh, Beyond Meats and uh, all these different nuances that are coming along for the younger people and younger generations how can we take advantage of that and make money by investing in those areas? So that's really what's coming to the forefront. You know, there's always new ideas. There's always innovation. And we want to be in those when we look at how should we allocate our investments to sustain our own future and benefit from that. Yeah, right on. Jonathan, I so much appreciate you in this conversation. Thanks for taking time this morning. Thank you, Corey. I had an awesome time, and you have a great weekend. You too, Jonathan Kavaznik, financial advisor with Cherokee Investments at Bank Cherokee. If you have any questions, please contact Jonathan Kavaznik at jkavaznik, that's K-V-A-S-N-I-K, at securitiesamerica.com. ESG Players Podcast can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and many other platforms through the Backroom Studios. That's Backroom Studios, S-T-E-W-D-I-O-S. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC, Jonathan B. Kovacnik, CHFC, Registered Representative, Advisory Services offered through Securities America Advisories, Inc., Cherokee Investment Services, Bank Cherokee, and Securities America are separate companies, not FDIC insured, no bank guarantees, may lose value, not insured by any government agency, not bank deposits.